Today's guest is Vanita Greenwood, the co-founder of Whole Grain Digital, a brilliant Planet First WordPress agency that definitely share my belief that communications and great user experiences are crucial for sustainable brands to push the sustainability movement forward. Now, Vanita is one of the true pioneers of the purpose-driven agency space that Enviral um, operates within. And I think that the company goes back 16 years now in its various forms. Um, I did a little intro uh, to Vanita at the start of the recording, so I'll, I'll, I'll let that do the talking. But I wanted to note that it is just such a rare skill that people have the ability just to walk into a room and just brighten up everybody's day. And, and that energy is something that Vanita definitely has, along with her partner, Tom, um, who's also the co-founder of Holgrain. Both their technical and, and strategic know-how and their eye for detail for just doing things differently is just a, a major reason for, for Holgrain's success. And I can't wait to see what Holgrain do uh, throughout the rest of the year. So without further ado, Vanita Greenwood. Vanita, oh, so happy to have you on today's episode. Um, the beating heart of this little agency community that we've got, I, I genuinely believe that yourself, Tom, and, and Holgrain, friends. Um, we have yes. we've we, we've had a few uh, different in-person drinks together, which is nice, and we've worked on some projects together um, with our clients. So um, I think that we could be chatting about for about six hours on this episode if we wanted to but we're not going to we're going to spend about 35 minutes to 40 minutes um, and it's great to have you on the uh, on the shifting narrative podcast thanks for having me no worries at all well look um yeah I I, I was I've got no real agenda on this this episode um because I think we've got so much to explore but I was just having a think um about half an hour ago and I was just thinking about yourself and whole grain and I wanted to try and boil it down to one word, and that one word was kind. Um, oh. To me, that is the, the, the best word to use when it comes to yourself and whole grain, and obviously your lovely partner, Tom. Um, okay. Kind to the planet, kind to yourself, kind to your employees, kind to digital, kind to animals, kind to the whole communication in, communications industry. Um, and I, I just really, truly believe that you might be one of the kindest people, one of the most upbeat people I've met in this industry. Um, so I'm really intrigued to know where that kindness came from. Where, where has the Venita persona come from? Like, what's your journey been? I'm intrigued. It's, it's a privileged journey. I've been very lucky all my life, um, touch wood. Um, things have gone my way. And there's been lots of opportunities that have come my way and I have taken them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying I haven't had failures. There's been epic failures, but there's, there's <laughs> so much learning from those failures as well. So I think the journey's been a long one and some of them have felt like hard slogs, like the early, early years of starting whole grain and uh, when I just moved to the UK, it all, those all milestones felt like massive points when, when they were happening. But when I look back, there's so much learning from them that I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. So which part so, so would you what, like me to go into? Tell us about that. 
where do you want to start? Like, you, you know, I, I often look at where I've got to with Enviral and I, I can literally pinpoint certain memories from when I was like even seven or eight years old. Like, where did you grow yeah. up? And I guess what's yeah. your journey up to whole grain? And let's talk sure. about whole grain after that. Yeah. Um, I was born in Dubai. I grew up in Bombay, in Mumbai until I was 22 uh, and then mm. I came to the UK uh, for my master's for uh, space environment and uh, RF engineering, radio frequency engineering because I've done electronics engineering in my background but if I was to go back as a kid I think my essays and my school homework everything would revolve around the amount of rubbish I would see on the streets in Mumbai I would get really worried about how things were being handled and where this rubbish was going to go, which I saw on the corners of the streets piling up. Every now and then it would disappear and I'd be like, where did it go? What happened to it? And I'd ask questions that kids would be like, not that bothered about asking. And I think my teachers thought I was a bit of a pain, but it was important to me <laughs> to know where it was going. And asking questions like, mm. if there's electricity cut off for a day, why did it happen? Or if water's cut off, we, we had rationing for water, for electricity. And there was this moment to, to think about what it's going to be like when I grow up. And I, my, my grandmother told me not so long ago um, that the thing that she used to worry about was I was carrying all this stress of what's going to happen later. And I used to say to her things like, you know, in the future, people will have wars over water, wars over food. And she'd be like, you are eight. Get over it. <laughs> you don't have to think about this. And for a while, I actually forgot about it all. I actually did. And then um, when I finished my, you know, initial education and I came to the UK, I'd sort of put it all behind me because it's so nice here. It's so privileged. Everybody's so happy. And um, even the poorest people I know in the UK are so much richer than the people I know, some of them in India. So I was I was a bit more blasé about, oh, things are going to be fine now. You know, people are sorting this climate change thing out. You know, nothing to worry about. But then um, the IPCC report came out in 2006. And I, Tom, um, Tom and I were flatmates back then. We were just friends. Um, best friends uh, living living together because we were flatmates and he talked to me about it and I said oh my goodness um, this thing that Lord Stearns produced we, we really need to do something about it and then both of us started looking at eco-friendly products and looking at them and going they look like things that only hippies would use why don't normal people use good stuff like eco-friendly stuff and it's then that's where we both started thinking because it's not well branded, because no one talks about it. It's not mainstream. And Tom, Tom had this background in sustainable product design, and he would talk about how these things need to be, need to be presented from the mainstream mindset. And and I, I was like, what is mainstream mindset? Who is mainstream? And so, are the people who shop in Waitrose mind mainstream? Are people who shop in Asda mainstream? What is mainstream? I I don't know. I haven't got the flavor of this country i don't understand yet i don't understand the culture yet and and he was like we got to make sustainability mainstream anybody anybody whether it be asda whether it be waitrose whether it be tesco's people should have 
sustainable items to buy at their price point that look in power with other options that are around them. And we both had lots of evening walks. We fell in love and all that. And then we started a business with the intention of working with eco-friendly businesses, businesses that are doing something about mitigating climate change and giving them a new identity, whether that be branding, design, uh, whatever they need. And we were very poor for the first five years, very, very poor. And it's fine because it was important to <laughs> stick to our principles rather than earn more money. But that comes again from a place of privilege, you see, it, because mm -hmm. we could do it. Because we had savings, we had mummy and daddy bank. And anyway, we had some support here and there. We had a place to fall back to if something went wrong. So uh, we we learned a lot. We traveled a lot in those four or five years uh, by, while we were working for ourselves mm -hmm. and came across lots of eco design principles and started embedding them into our thinking, into our work. And slowly and steadily, we started getting clients. It took a while. But we set out with an intention. Uh, when we started our business in 2007, we both said to each other, who are the three clients, three or four clients that we want on our books? One was Ecova. One was Marks and Spencers. Remember back then they had a plan A. Uh, then there was Solar Century, the largest solar panel manufacturer. And the fourth one was Good Energy. <laughs> you won't believe it. That good energy we only have because of environment oh, yeah. introduced us. Yes. So it took us <laughs> to this partnership as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been so amazing. Our team absolutely loves working with Good Energy and you guys. So we've, we've been very blessed. But this is what I mean. We've had opportunities along the way. And by 2014, we had all of the top three clients on our books. And we didn't even do cold calling or we didn't we didn't find them at an event or something. They just came through our form as a lead mm -hmm. and asked us to do some small piece of work that became bigger and bigger and bigger. And they all are still our clients even today. And it's just one of those things that the journey was slow. It was very slow, but it was sustainable. So all of the growth that we've had, um, mm -hmm. one or two people a year adding to the team. We're only 20 of us, so it's not like we grew massively quickly. It's just been a slow, slow drip, but it's sticking to our principles while we're growing. So it's 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 been a great journey. Thanks for asking. I love it. I love it. I, I um, want to ask about your grandmother, your relationship with your grandmother. I, I had a really close relationship with my grandmother, and I believe oh. that the ability to not only be able to communicate with somebody in a completely different generation and a completely different life experience um, journey, not only has shaped my communications, but it's also been able to widen my perspective and understanding yeah. of the world. Um, how was your relationship with your, your grandma and, and did you have a similar um, experience then? Yeah, she was strict really strict she passed away early last year um but she was very strict um strict in the sense that she wanted to make sure we had good habits wake up at six in the morning make sure your bed's done yeah. by six fifteen. everything's done you're you know on the breakfast table by so and so hour and yeah it was 
It was fun, but she was fun when she needed to be. But she was also very principled and strict. Um, and the reason yeah. I talk about my grandmother and my grandfather, my mom, maternal grandparents more, is because they brought me up most of my life. My mum sort of shuttled back and forth mm. between Mumbai and Dubai, where my dad worked for 40 years. Mm. And my mum was sort of looking after us a few months, going to Dubai, spending time with my dad, coming back. And my dad sort of spending every two and a half months in Dubai working, setting up his, you know, working on his own business and then coming and spending a week or two with his family back in Mumbai and then shuttling back and forth. And we had an opportunity to go and spend summers summer holidays uh with my dad so but but while we were in mm. mumbai it was my grandparents who were bringing me up so they had to be strict they were taking the role of the guardianship so they were um so they they was they weren't i wouldn't say old fashioned but they had old fashioned some of their principles were old fashioned which meant that there was a learning curve for us to meet in the middle mm. yeah a lot of trust. Really interesting. And trust. when you came over to the UK, mm-hmm. yeah. And when you when you came over to the UK, so I, I, I'm intrigued by um, you, you know what you're just saying there around. You were kind of just trying to figure out how society existed in the UK, the culture of behaviour, uh, what what was right, what was wrong, what was the norm, what was yeah. not the norm, and, and I guess that interesting outsider perspective which is clearly matched with a a deep sense of curiosity and I've I've known you a little while and I know you're a very curious person always asking (laughs) questions do you think that that's what you do well today yeah yeah you when you are when you are from a foreign country you have to make a choice either you fit in and try and understand what the culture is or go and find your country's community where people would understand where you come from and you sort of become comfortable with that. Mm. And I decided the way to go was to learn everything about everything about the UK. And I love it because you you have so many more dimensions and people are so much more accepting and tolerant and have the have a massive heart for people who come from abroad there isn't um mm. a contrary to people's beliefs people are way more accepting and tolerant in the uk i think there's this media that makes people feel like there's uh, resentment towards people who are coming from abroad no there isn't people love foreign neighbors they like foreign friends they like foreign food they're open-minded. They want to know about you. They want, and they're willing to spend time with you to teach you stuff. The amount of accent training I went through with my different friends—it was great. Really, they gave me they gave me so much help with my V's and W's, and um, it's 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 nice to have friends who can honestly tell you and or, or what's right, what's wrong, and and going back to the kind element, I thought I was being. To, uh, so people were being kind to me. So it's easy to be kind to others. And I think the kindness also comes from clarity. People are very clear with me, mm. which was kind, rather than sort of 
say, oh, she's a bit weird, isn't she? Well, she is. But the point is that, that they were clear when I wasn't doing something. Weird is by different the book. and different is cool. You've got to remember that. Weird <laughs> yes. is different, different is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think they were accepting of me and I felt reciproc- reciprocal love. So there was, that's why I feel I'm really lucky to have found Tom, to have found my tribe and a lot more interest in eco-friendly living here. So I don't feel like an outsider. It's been 17 years now, and I don't feel like an outsider. <laughs> so so just, um, I guess, for, for listeners, give the very short condensed spiel on what Whole Grain does. And then I'm yeah. really intrigued to know why did you call it Whole Grain? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Whole Grain Digital <laughs> is a WordPress-specific web design agency uh, that, and we create low-carbon websites for positive organizations. When I say positive organizations, they can mm. be businesses, not-for-profits, uh, charities that actually are doing something positive about mitigating climate change or improving human rights. And that's the focus that we have mm. right from day one. And we have an ethical screening policy to support it. So, yeah. And, and we're very strategic in the way we work. But in the essence of our skills, we are very good at strategy, design, development. So it's it's the whole works for your online web presence. Nailed you asked it. me a second question, didn't you? Name Holgrain come. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. that's right. Um, so we. Um, oh my goodness! I'm about to tell you the worst secret, but I'm going to tell you, and you're going to laugh. But that's okay. <laughs> we used to be called Scamper Branding. And Scamper Branding is what we launched with in 2007. And it was about learning different perspectives through scampering around, learning all of these things. We were young, we had energy. And um, soon we became Whole Grain Digital because we decided that uh, Scamper was not the right name for us. Uh, the, and as a branding agency, it was definitely not the right name because I'm about to tell you why. Somebody was putting us on their... Uh, what do you call it, like PO system, you know, the purchase order system. And they put us on and then they sent me a receipt back saying, hey, here's your purchase order. And the first four letters were scam. I lost it. I was like, <laughs> we can't be called scamper anymore because the first four letters are scam. We are not scammers. We are different. We are opposite of scammers. We are authentic people. What's wrong with us? So, <laughs> so we had to start thinking about a new name. And the longer we spoke to each other, we talked about being wholesome and we we were saying to each other, should we call ourselves something to do with wholesomeness, this, that, and then we, came, we settled on wholesome digital and then we were like, this doesn't have a ring to it. And then one day it was whole grain digital just came to us. Um, I'd like to take the credit for it, but I don't know who came up with it. But, you know, it probably was Tom. I don't know. Um, oh, and Whole Grain Digital had a ring to it that Wholesome Digital didn't. And it just stuck with us. And mm. I think we put up a new site over a weekend and just went for it. And um, things actually took off from that point because it felt confident. It felt mm. us. And I think we had become so nervous about the name Scamper that we weren't feeling like we wanted to go out so uh, go out with that name so i think it's if you look on company's house we call scamper limited but um we trade as <laughs> digital 
Yeah. I love that. That's so interesting. And and like, how have you seen the agency world, specifically this little purpose-driven agency corner that we're in? Like, how have you seen that change and evolve in the journey, especially like ramping up to the last few years? I'm intrigued to know your journey. It's changed a lot. When we started off, um, we knew only a couple of agencies. Um, one of them was a hosting company. One of them was a graphic design company. So very few companies that were actually in this space. I didn't find out about Leap in Cornwall until um, about 2016. So if you look back um, 2007, 2008, I actually didn't know any graphic design agencies back then that were properly specializing in ethical design. And when we used to say we only work with ethical companies, we looked like we were sitting on a strange high horse and judging people. We weren't. We were just saying we want to do something with high impact and want to use our skills for good. But it was looking a bit um, uncomfortable. Whereas over the last um, mm. over the last six years, the scene's completely changed. There's tons of people who've really become mission aligned. They want to do something good. They want to talk to nice people and actually have genuine partnerships. And it feels like a, almost like we can, oh God, I'm going to sound so mean, but we could just about get to the point in the next couple of years where people who are degrading the environment might not have any skillful people that want to go and work for them. How cool would that be? If you're good at something, you're like, I'm not working for that bad company. I'm only going to work for a good company. And then they don't look good because nobody did something nice for them in terms of their website or brand presence. Yeah. And then slowly and steadily, nobody buys their products and services. And sustainability wins. Mm. That's my master plan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great master plan. I love that. Let's do it. But you've seen it, like we, we've, we, you know, we've seen the fact that our industry is getting a huge amount of attention from people who are considering how they spend a third of their life, which is at work. Yeah. Like, what purpose does that have? What what legacy are they leaving in, in in their kind of employment journey? And and ultimately, of course money is a needed thing of course culture and accessibility um is an important thing but the fact is that when we've had a very huge global shift from things like the pandemic where people are starting to question why they exist um yeah. it's 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 leading to purpose winning and yeah you've got large organizations who are just investing so much time, money, energy um, to retaining employees. Yes. <laughs> and trying to like, not just put in that like really standard perk that you kind of yeah. see, you can have your birthday yeah. off kind of thing. <laughs> um, or, That's... or uh, you know, a, a charity donation every once in a while you're seeing people really looking and understanding what they need to do to make happier, healthy workplaces with a product or service which actually benefits the world. And and when you've got the next generation coming into the workforce who are demanding that, um, 
it's a very exciting place to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think um, 71% of the employees, uh, candidates, want to work in a sustainability-focused business, as in a yeah. business that is putting sustainability, people and planet first, above profit. And that mm. that's 71% today. I think by net zero target of 2030, I think they will be 100%. They wouldn't want to work for somebody who's not doing something good. And that's how it really should be. And and I think by then my master plan might just have worked. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm intrigued to know, I guess, two things. Um, who Who is your target audience? Like you've just mentioned four really impressive organizations um, yeah. and it's great that you're still working with them. But like, who is your like ideal um, company to work with or organization to work with? And then on top of that, I'm, I'm good at asking double questions today sure. um, on this, uh, you know, starting to get pretty dark Friday evening. Um, yeah. What's the most common piece of advice you give to those audiences? Yeah, what's your most common piece of advice you give to clients? Um, the top clients that I think it's hard to say who else we could have through the door but I know and that's not going to happen but I'd say Tesla would be a pretty high client it would be pretty amazing to work with Tesla I know they have all in-house people so they're not coming to us and they only hire American agencies you just want yeah, a freebie don't you, know. you just want a free car <laughs> would be nice <laughs> Um, and the other one is good, was good energy and, and is still good energy. We, we're so grateful to have them because they are creating their own infrastructure. And that's very rare. There's lots of renewable energy tariffs, but somebody who's got their heart in it is very rare. And good energy still stands on the top, uh, top of the list there. So I'm, I'm just ever so grateful that they work with us. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the what's advice, the most common piece of advice you give to your wider clients? Yeah. Um, tell your story. Be authentic. Um, talk to your customers as if you're a real person, not a company. Because companies are made of real people that are making real decisions that affect people. So when people say, oh, it was a company's mm. decision, no, it was actually a person's decision. Some person decided something. That's why this is happening. So let the person's voice shine and actually treat your voice as a person's voice rather than a company's voice. And I don't know how that forms in terms of branding voice, but I do feel like people listen to people. People don't listen to the government or the company. They listen to somebody mm. um, who they trust uh, the voice of. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And because um, in a podcast scenario, I tend to get asked, uh, I'm sure like yourself, you know, how do you make sure you work with the right clients? And, um, yeah. you, you know, I've talked about this in a number of different uh, platforms. So have you. I was um, just before this um, re recording kind of started, I went for a little walk around um, my local park and... Um, it, yeah, I'm pretty bad at this because I'm like normally a multitasker. I'll be answering emails or sending a voice note. And I won't be really paying attention to the outdoors as much as perhaps I should do um, on a weekday. Um, 
but that said this time my battery ran out on my phone like <laughs> within good. about five minutes <laughs> and um which is amazing it's so good and uh look uh, digital brings so much so many benefits of being connected to everyone everywhere at any time but we're also getting more disconnected with the physical with nature you know i'm the desensitization of seasons is crazy like you know it's things are changing so much and ultimately it's because we're not really connecting with the outdoors with nature with our planet and i know you're a big advocate of that but at the other end of the spectrum you're also creating digital experiences so rather than me asking you that question like how do you choose um what clients to work with like how do you balance running a digital agency when you know that maybe the solution is that we need to maybe get outside more (laughs) yeah that's a really good question while you're on digital you want to create an experience of feeling like you're sitting in your cozy armchair in your private living room with not necessarily your curtains closed, but maybe half closed. So your your environment that you create on your digital experience should be safe, comfortable, domestic, and private. So you should be able to turn the page of your book and nobody look at it and find out where you stopped reading. That's how I feel digital should be, so that you don't have this fear of somebody watching over you and everything should be accessible like it's in your house for yourself and so on. So that's my digital viewpoint. But I do realise that the amount of time we spend in, the, in, in nature is not enough and really we should be spending more time while swimming in the cold and you know, interacting with the elements, you know, playing in the leaves right now in autumn. It's so beautiful out there. Um, to balance, I sometimes take the whole day off digital. So I, I'm, I'm not Jewish. I was brought up as a Hindu. But I came across a friend who told me about Shabbat. And she said they, as a, as a, as a family, don't touch any electronic devices on Saturdays. And I've done two since then, uh, in the last three years, two. And those were my best Saturdays because from the morning I decided I'm not going to touch technology. I took my bike, went to a local cafe. They cooked me a nice breakfast. Then I cycled to the beach jumped in the sea, cycled back, got tired, fell asleep. And I actually fell asleep because I hadn't seen any blue screens since morning. Also, I had touched the television or anything. And the evening, I just went for a walk, knocked the door off a friend and said, do you want to go for a walk? It was like a real exhilarating day. And I got so much done, uh, lots of chores done as well around the house. And I just realized we need to do more, give ourselves a permission to take time off digital and just say, so what? I'll respond to all of my signal or whatever, mm. WhatsApp or whatever messages you have. I'll, I'll respond to them tomorrow. And if somebody really needs me, they can call me on my landline. And I've got an old fashioned landline. Calls mm. Ring, ring. It's great. Uh, old <laughs> totally old school. But it's, it's really, if someone really needs me, they know how to get in touch with me. But leaving the phone at home and just going for a walk sometimes can induce anxiety. It's weird because it's a part of you mm. and you want to take it with you. And I make up excuses like, oh, I want to measure how many steps I've walked. 
It doesn't matter. I know the walk. I know where I'm going. I've walked that a million times. So I think you have to train your mind to just go, no, I'm not going to take my phone along. See how it feels. Actually look up. Uh, relax my eyes, looking at things in the distance, 40 meters away, hopefully, and really get a sense of the temperature and feel it. Um, yeah, I can I can talk about this all day long, but that, that is something that I try to do more and more of. I'm trying to integrate walking, not running, but actually just mindful walking into my life. And, and uh, mm. I think that matches really well with living offline for a certain period of the day. And it sort of relaxes your brain. It sort of brings you back down. It forces you to just go, well, nothing needs attending to right now. The phone's not here. Can't do much about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a really good book um, called Do Walk. Do you know the, the do books and yes. the do lectures? Um, yes. But it's a, yeah, there's a really great book called Do Walk. If you haven't read it, I'll, I'll send you a copy. It's it's amazing. Oh, it's, yes. um, it's a creative director in New York and she's walked um, every single morning for like over four years. Oh, and wow. it's basically her journal and her journey on what she's gained and benefited from just the motion of walking um and mm. it's yeah it's really really interesting and, and ultimately that's where inspiring ideas or understanding how you can overcome certain boundaries which within business there's normally mm. uh, a number of them every single day <laughs> if not every yeah. single hour and um yeah the power of just getting it out is very very interesting but i think you're, you've hit the nail on the head though like d digital is the reason why movement is happening so fast the reason why we've got a complete entire shift happening right now with how we are looking and understanding how we operate on this planet is that education is as um yeah it's as accessible easy to to, to get your hands on and understand more than ever and that's because of digital it's because of content it's because of creativity yeah. And um, yeah, there's definitely a, a time and a place for both, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, James Clear, if you've Sorry. come across him, um, for Atomic Habits. Have you come across that book? It's really good. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I took that on my birthday this year and I took three days in a cabin called Unplugged. I don't know if you've come across Unplugged. This is not a plug for them. Yeah. I don't do, we don't do work with them or I, I don't even know them. <laughs> it's just, we, we used Unplugged to find a cabin and stayed for three nights uh, without any digital equipment around us. And I think that's the most relaxed I've ever felt because it was just leaving technology behind. And there's a little phone box that you put your phone away. Then you have to lock, then you have a box that you put your phone into. Is that right? Yeah. When yeah, you get yeah, into yeah. the cabin? Yeah, it's really cool. And you've got this little cabin, you've got the cooking utensils, you just wander around. It's really nice. Yeah. I think more people should just that. take that time and, out. And, so how do you, how do you, and how do you share that inspo then with, um, with your team? Because, you know, what I've found with the Enviral team is that we're all so unbelievably passionate about um, really scaling our clients because they're all doing brilliant things but we're in a pretty doom and gloom space you know once you mm. once you see the problems 
with um, you know our changing world, you can't unsee them. And yeah. ultimately, I think as business owners, we have to inspire and we have to remind um, and we have to show and demonstrate and live and breathe how we need to sometimes look after ourselves and how we need to unlearn certain things that are very easy to creep into our lives, like working really long hours or not going for that walk at lunchtime or eating at your desk. How do you do that? And is that something that you're really passionate about with, with Tom in, in running your organisation? No, I'm guilty of all of those things. Absolutely guilty. But at the <laughs> same time... Um, same. Yeah, yeah. And, but at the same time, I'm, I'm quite good at hypocrisy and telling the team, you need to get away from your desk and you need to go for a little walk. And we, we try to encourage each other. And there's this team member of ours who's every now and then unexpectedly will, will yell posture and everybody just straightens up. It's quite funny. <laughs> It's quite funny. It's just, it's like a little alarm. Well, I'm not surprised. It's quite funny. He just yells in the middle of the room, posture. <laughs> he just goes straight. It's great. Um, so we do talk to each other about well-being and so on. We've got spill. Just like you guys, we've got spill. But really, we have a team coach. He's brilliant. He does one-on-ones with each of us and works out what's our growing edge. We work internally with adult development theory. So we don't believe that people mm. stop learning. We, we, I believe people stop, continue to learn all their life, um, right until they give up, I suppose, in life. Um, as in, you know, die. But at the point, at the point you are in your life right now, there'll always be something that you wish you could learn more of. For example, at the moment, I'm learning about setting boundaries and saying no and being clear in what I say. And it's and it's and it's challenging. So we have this performance coach, like I said, um, team coach, who helps us not just um, sort of understand where our growing edges are, but also sort of help us unblock what's stopping us from saying no. What what is it that I'm feeling? What is this sense of guilt? Why is it coming? And actually talks to us about it. Does team training? Yesterday we had feedback and setting boundaries session for three hours in the afternoon and the whole team was together in Somerset House and it's really helpful to then continue that conversation in regular conversation giving feedback to each other saying I saw you were spending far too long I saw you log on in the at the weekend in your email is everything all right you you can have a more empathetic conversation um, and bring those points up with your team member without feeling like you're intruding in their private space. Um, because we have flexible work as well. So there might be a case that they just didn't get to anything on a Friday and then decided to just log on on Saturday and do their work. So that's okay. But it might also be the case that they are feeling overwhelmed. So asking these little questions mm. on how things are going uh, really reveals a lot. And having a team coach has also really helped. It's we're going through the exact same journey at the moment, and um, yeah, feedback especially. We've we're really trying to determine what the environmental way of working is um, yeah. as we grow and develop and and learn. Um, and I think it's such an interesting theory. Feedback, isn't it? It's it's something yeah. that the most 
successful people in the world tend to be really good at asking for feedback. Um, yes. And there's obviously different types of feedback from coaching feedback to appreciative feedback and the push pull um, approach to, to feedback, especially when you might have founded a company is something that is, um, it, it can be a real amazing ripple effect benefit. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm intrigued to, to see how, how that journey um, goes with you to to um to wrap things up and I, I can't believe we didn't even we didn't even talk about b corp uh because uh, yes you know there are now a thousand in the uk that's amazing isn't it a thousand members um yeah. I, was t- I was totally really interested to understand um yeah what your view is on the future of b corp because um, i know you've been really interested in, in bringing and being an advocate to, to the b corp process and the b corp community um, but yeah. we might leave that for next time um, because sure. I think there might be a next time. I think I'd really like to get you and Tom um, on at some point. So we'll, we'll maybe just That'd put a pin on that one. But yeah. to end, to end, I always ask three questions um, yeah. and I'm definitely going to ask them for yourself. So the first is, um, who is the most inspiring person you've ever met? Oh, this is a really difficult one. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the honest answer. Tom, my husband, he really inspires me every day. He genuinely is inspiring, and he's he's kind, he's calm, he's collected. I can throw tantrums all day, and he'll still be just like, yeah, all right, okay. It's really helpful to see that sort of, you know. Um, be able to somebody just 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 get you and so i i feel inspired by him and his yeah. thoughts and um he, he helps me so it inspires me to be a better person so tom you can get out of the corner now and uh yeah not no he's not, here. Here. <laughs> <laughs> he's not i agree by the way i i, I just think he is one of the most amazing people he's a true visionary. Um, he's very considered, but he's also just so laid back. <laughs> he really is. And the, the amount of stuff, uh, the amount of stuff that he gets done for a laid back person is brilliant. I, I, I'm in awe of that. Yeah, he fiddles about a lot. He spends a lot of time just sort of going, mm-hmm, but it's all going on there. <laughs> yeah. So the second question is: um, uh, if you're to recommend a book or a podcast. Um, what would it be? Book would be, uh, like I said, James Clear, Atomic Habits. It really is about making small incremental changes in your life that then make mm. you a better person in the long run. Uh, podcast, I really like Akimbo by Seth Godin. I really like Seth Godin. And oh, yeah. I think he's he's got always nuggets of wisdom that I can take away with me. So yeah, those two. He did um, The pur- Purple Cow, didn't he? Is yes. that right? Have you, seen, have you yes. read that book by Seth Godin? Yeah, yeah. I so. And I think the concept of that was that he was like, he was on a train and he was looking out the window and there was loads of cows and loads of fields and they just weren't standing out. And his perception of if you want to stand out as a business is you've got to be the purple cow because if there's a purple yeah. cow in the field, you'd notice it straight away. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? There's a lot more to that book, so definitely read it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really good book. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's some really good books on how to make your tribe. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's got some really good books mm. on how to make oh, your yes. tribe and leadership as well. So I think he's also forming the Carbon Almanac at the moment. The Carbon Almanac is about getting all of the amazing thinkers, designers, artists together to think of how we're going to tackle climate change. And it's he's got more more angles to, uh, you know, more perspectives to him. And um, I don't mm. think I engage with it enough, but I, I have only 24 hours in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, final question then. What music are you listening to at the moment? What, what's the thing that you might put on either on the train journey up to London or back or in the office or maybe on that walk if you do take your phone with you? Um, what, what songs or bands are you listening to? Oh, I'm going to sound like such a hippie now. Um, I'm really into hang drum music. <laughs> uh, and oh, my, yeah. Can't explain yeah, it. yeah. Uh, my favorite artist is uh, Yatao, and he has some really amazing music. Uh, I think it's a it's a uh, duo. They do really nice hang drum music. And because I'm doing proposals or reading RFPs on the train, it's much easier for me to have background music than actual mm. words because as soon as there's words, I start singing along, mm. and I don't think people want to hear me sing, so that's okay. Um, and <laughs> and the other artist is Alex Daff. And his uh, the song I really play when I'm walking around in the forest and so on is, uh, unless I'm listening to Bird Song, of course, is Just Fly. I think it's a 15-minute track. Okay. And it's a nice timer for me to say, this loop was 15 minutes. <laughs> <It's just> easy, <laughs> to, easy to do that when you have um, something that you know is going to finish in 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, the, the, this weekend I'm going to listen to that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Vanita, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to spend time with you and to chat. Um, I, I honestly can't wait to see what happens with um, with Whole Grain moving forward. I can't wait to do more work with you. And uh, I just Same think here. you're doing brilliant stuff. So thank you for having me. And I've really enjoyed this chat. Can't wait to do it again. What a legend. So many takeaways in this episode for people needing inspiration to either you know, join a purpose-driven agency, start a purpose-driven agency, or start operating with sustainability at the core of their business and personal lives. And Vanita definitely shares my perspective that we need to make sustainability mainstream. We need to do that through clear communications and design and user experiences. But we also need to do that through considering the small details and both Vanita and Tom have been part of a pioneering group of, uh, of people creating eco-design principles. And, and, and that is a really interesting thing because the thing that most people don't see having a footprint on the planet, like the choice of color palette or, or image layout on a website, and through having a different attitude to looking at activations like website design, just shows that almost any action can be evolved to do less harm. So I think I'm definitely gonna to have to get Tom, uh, Vinita's partner, on, on another episode in the future. So um, yeah, maybe we should even bring in some other pioneers in the purpose driven communication space. Um, so yeah, definitely follow Shifting the Narrative on Instagram or, or either myself or Enviral on LinkedIn and you'd see how um, that one progresses and maybe we can bring some more people into the fold. Thanks for listening everyone, over and out. <laughs>